You are listening to The Mystic Show, episode 146. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Mystic Show. My name is Chris Curran. I'm your host, and I'm happy you're able to join me. This is an important episode. Well, I guess they're all important. They're all a part of our journey. And on this show, we talk about spirituality and mindfulness and meditation and all the unseen and otherworldly aspects of our lives that are so important. And the purpose of this show is for you and I to advance ourselves somehow on the path of spirituality, spiritual growth, through some knowledge, through sharing, through, uh, I don't know, techniques, answers, questions. And um, if you practice what we talk about on this show, well, we talk about a lot of things, but if you put a lot of this into practice in your own life, it'll make a tremendous difference in your quality of life. And again, just like uh, the spiritual path is one big experiment, well, we have to experiment with our own lives. So we put out new episodes every Friday morning. And now that I'm set up here at our new home in Colorado Springs, I don't think I'll be missing a Friday for a while. I know I missed a couple because we were moving, but We are back on track, and you can hear us as a podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or TuneIn Radio, and our website is themysticshow.net. And on the website, too, you can sign up for our behind-the-scenes email list. It's pretty cool because it's just a weekly email, you know, giving you a little behind-the-scenes information about the show, Um, and also you get some free audio files. You get four MP3 audio tracks of, uh, well, it's called Relax with Rumi. So I selected some Rumi quotes and read them over relaxing music. It's pretty cool. doesn't cost you anything, so you can sign up for the the behind-the-scenes email list and you get the audio for free. And today's episode, we're going to finish our book, The book is called Raja Yoga, (laughs) our book. (laughs) Well, it's a book from 1896. It's the book we've been reading for the past, I don't know, almost three months maybe, off and on. It is by Swami Vivekananda, published in July of 1896. It's called Raja Yoga. And we're on the last chapter. This is chapter eight. Um... But before we get into reading this chapter, and I'm going to tell you about it in a second, um, I have to share that I was at a a meditation gathering this past weekend. It was the birth anniversary of our spiritual guide, and it was a small group, and we had several meditations together and, and a lot of good conversation, and I have to just 
say that a couple days focused on yourself, you know, not worrying about your phone or your email or anything. Um, it's just amazing how much that does for your spiritual growth, getting yourself back on track, even advancing yourself forward. Um, because that's the nature of the spiritual journey. It's, it's not a uniform, gradual growth, like a steady slope going uphill, very steady uphill. It's not steady. Sometimes we can go for months and years and it seems like we're not progressing. And then maybe during one meditation sitting, boom, something happens, something changes, something is bestowed upon you and, and then it's all different and you can't go back. <laughs> it's one of the most amazing things about the spiritual journey is when you reach these new levels of awareness and realization, you really can't go back. You just can't. You, you can't go back to your own life, which is such a blessing, right? My goodness. So glad I left so many old lives behind already in this life. Um, and the other thing is, during the move, actually our mover lost one of our boxes. And this is one of those situations where you know, it's kind of upsetting uh, because of what was in the boxes or the box. I think it was one box. And so it's kind of, you know, now having to go through the whole rigmarole of everything, trying to find the box and trying to get uh, compensated for it and maybe having to file an insurance claim. And, oh, right. It's just, Wow. And, and that happens in life, right? Things happen in life and you lose. <laughs> you might be a nice guy, but guess what? You lose. And I always think that, you know, there are times in our lives when we, we lose and I don't know, maybe it's not such a bad thing. I mean, it's not pleasant. It's not joyful, but it's also not the end of the world. So kind of being able to step back and say, you know what, maybe this isn't the biggest deal in the world. And it, it really reminded me of one of the maxims of our meditation practice, which is maxim number five. Ready for this? Put, put your seatbelt on. All right, you got it on? Okay. Maxim number five. Take miseries as divine blessings for your own good and be thankful. There you go. I don't think it's very easy, but on the other hand, it's it maybe it is easy. Maybe it's easy just to release it and let it go and say, hey, whatever was in that box that they lost, fine. Maybe I'm not supposed to have it. Maybe I'm going to have something better. Right? I mean, we don't know. So, so at the moment I was at, at times talking with the movers, I was a little kind of upset, but not really upset, but kind of. And, um, but then when you think about it and you step back and you say, okay, you know, something better is going to come in its place or, or like I said, maybe it just needed, my life needed the space for something else. So, 
All right. So I wonder what you are experiencing in your life and any sort of, you know, little mini realizations you've had in your own life. I mean, you're living your life every day. I mean, you must have things happen to you and you reflect on them and it sort of maybe makes you think of a spiritual truth or or maybe you see the progress in your own life over time. You know, maybe you used to get mad at something, but now you don't. Um, I'm interested to hear your your progress. So you can always comment on on these posts on themysticshow.net um, and tell me a little, maybe a little success story of yours or a change of heart or a change of mind or something. Um, I mean, I, I share some of my journey, but I always want, I want to hear yours too. So now we're going to get into reading this last chapter of this Vivekananda book. And I have to say right up front that the first half of this chapter is is a little I won't say it's rough, but it it talks a lot about Raja Yoga as stated in the Korma Purana and it just kind of jumps around a little and uses these, you know, ancient words and it it's good we can understand it, but um I just wanted to make sure you understand that before we start because don't forget one of the reasons we're reading this book is because it's nice to read inspiring quotes on Facebook or, you know, read a quote on Twitter, you know, a spiritual quote and kind of think about it for five seconds and say, yeah, that's true. Wow. That's deep. I love that. That's good. However, there's another many levels of learning that we can really benefit from. And reading this Vivekananda book is is many levels above reading quotes on Twitter and Facebook. We're actually reading uh, the writings of one of the greatest saints of India and hearing what he has to say about Raja Yoga, about spiritual growth, and all these things. So not only is it good to learn about these terms and learn about, you know, what it takes to become a yogi and reach samadhi and all these things. Um, But then we reflect on it in our own lives and in our own, you know, modern beliefs and our own modern practices and, and all these things. Um, It just helps us reflect on what, what Vivekananda was saying and how it relates to our lives right now. And that's how we learn, right? That's how we correlate things in our minds. I always, I mean, I love uh, reading books and, and reading the teachings of, of various traditions and saints and gurus and everything, because in one way, they all say the same thing, but they all say it differently. And when you hear the same truth from like five different angles or 20 different angles, eventually something clicks in your brain and in your heart and, and you really understand it on a deeper level. And it really helped to have those 20 different, slightly different viewpoints or slightly different phrasings of a truth, right? So this Vivekananda book is one of them. Um, This is the last chapter, chapter eight. The last two were awesome. Um, I think they were the last two episodes, 144 and 145. Just really good. This one's good too. So let's finish up this book. 
and I have a few comments afterwards. So, so let's get right into it. Again, this is from the book Raja Yoga by Swami Vivekananda, published July 1896. Uh, this chapter is called Raja Yoga in Brief. This is a summary of Raja Yoga freely translated from the Kurma Purana. The fire of yoga burns the cage of sin that is around a man. Knowledge becomes purified and nirvana is directly obtained. From yoga comes knowledge. Knowledge again helps the yogi. He who is a compound of both yoga and knowledge, with him the Lord is pleased. Those that practice Maha Yoga, either once a day or twice a day or thrice or always, know them to be gods. Yoga is divided into two parts. One is called Abhava and the other Maha Yoga. Where one's self is meditated upon as zero and bereft of quality, that is called Abhava. The yogi, by each one, realizes his self. That in which one sees the self as full of bliss and bereft of all impurities, and one with God, is called Mahayoga. The other yogas that we read and hear of do not deserve one particle of this great Brahma Yoga in which the yogi finds himself and the whole universe as God himself. This is the highest of all yogas. These are the steps in Raja Yoga. Yama, Niyama, Asana, Pranayama, Pratyahara, Dharana, Dhyana, and Samadhi, of which non-injuring anybody, truthfulness, non-covetousness, chastity, not receiving anything from another, are all called yama. It purifies the mind, the chitta. By thought, word, and deed, always and in every living being, not producing pain is what is called ahimsa, non-injuring. There is no virtue higher than this non-injuring. There is no happiness higher than what a man obtains by this attitude of non-offensiveness to all creation. By truth, we attain to work. Through truth, everything is attained. In truth, everything is established. Relating facts as they are, this is truth. Not taking others' goods by stealth or by force is called atsayam, non-covetousness. Chastity in thought, word, and deed always, and in all conditions, is what is called brahmacharya. Not receiving any present from anybody, even when one is suffering terribly, is what is called aparagra. When a man receives a gift from another man, the theory is that his heart becomes impure. He becomes low. He loses his independence. 
he becomes bound and attached. The following are helps to success in yoga. Niyama, regular habits and observances. Tapas, austerity. Svadaya, study. Santosa, contentment. Saucham, purity. Iswara, pranadana, worshiping God. Fasting, or in any other ways controlling the body, is called the physical tapas. Repeating the Vedas and other mantrams by which the sattva material in the body is purified is called study, svadhyana. There are three sorts of repetitions of these mantrams. One is called the verbal, another semi-verbal, and the third mental. The verbal or audible is the lowest, and the inaudible is the highest of all. The repetition which is so loud that anybody can hear it is the verbal. The next one is where only the organs begin to vibrate, but no sound is heard. Another man sitting near cannot hear what is being said. That in which there is no sound, only mental repetition of the mantram, at the same time thinking of its meaning, is called the mental muttering and is the highest. The sages have said that there are two sorts of purification, external and internal. The purification for the body is by water, earth, or other materials. The external purification, as by bathing, etc. Purification of the mind by truth and by all other virtues is what is called internal purification. Both are necessary. It is not sufficient that a man should be internally pure and externally dirty. When both are not attainable, the internal purity is the better. But no one will be a yogi until he has both. Worship is by praise, by memory, having devotion to God. We have spoken about yama and niyama. Next comes pranayama. Prana means the vital forces in one's own body. Yama means controlling them. There are three sorts of pranayama, the very simple, the middle, and the very high. The whole of pranayama is divided into two parts. One is called filling, and the other is called emptying. When you begin with 12 seconds, it is the lowest pranayama. When you begin with 24 seconds, it is the middle pranayama. That pranayama is the best which begins with 36 seconds. That pranayama in which there is first perspiration, then vibration of the body, and then rising from the seat and joining of the man's soul with great bliss is the very highest pranayama. There is a mantram called the Gayatri. It is a very holy verse of the Vedas. Quote, we meditate on the glory of that being who has produced this universe. May he enlighten our minds. End quote. Then Om is joined to it, 
at the beginning and end. In one pranayama, repeat three Gayatris. In all books, they speak of pranayama being divided into rechika, rejecting or exhaling, puraka, inhaling, and kumbhaka, restraining, stationary. The indriyas, the organs of the senses, are acting outward and coming in contact with external objects. Bringing them under the control of the will is what is called pratyahara. Gathering toward oneself is the literal translation. Fixing the mind on the lotus of the heart, or on the center of the head, is what is called dharana. When remaining in one place, making one place as the base, when the waves of the mind rise up, without being touched by other waves, when all other waves have stopped, and one wave only rises in the mind, that is called dhyana, meditation. When no basis is necessary, when the whole of the mind has become one wave, one formedness, it is called samadhi. Bereft of all help from places and centers, only the meaning of the thing is present. If the mind can be fixed on one center for 12 seconds, it will be a dharana. 12 such dharanas will be a dhyana, and 12 such dhyanas will be samadhi. The next is asana, posture. The only thing to understand is to hold the body straight, leaving the body free with the chest, shoulders, and head straight. Where there is fire, or in water, or on ground which is strewn with dry leaves, or where there are wild animals, where four streets meet, or where there is too much noise, or too much fear, or too many anthills, where there are many wicked persons, yoga must not be practiced in such places. This applies more particularly to India. When the body feels very lazy, do not practice. Or when the mind is very miserable and sorrowful, or when the body is ill. Go to a place which is well hidden and where people do not come to disturb you. As soon as you do not want people to know what you are doing, all the curiosity in the world will be awakened. But if you go into the street and want people to know what you are doing, they will not care. Do not choose dirty places. Rather choose beautiful scenery or a room in your own house which is beautiful. When you practice, first salute all the ancient yogis and your own guru and God and then begin. Dhyana is spoken of and a few examples are given of what to meditate upon. Sit straight and look at the tip of your nose. Later on, we will come to know how that concentrates the mind, how by controlling the two optic nerves, one advances a long way toward the control of the arc of reaction, and so to the control of the will. These are a few specimens of meditation. Imagine a lotus upon the top of the head, several inches up, 
and virtue as its center, the stalk as knowledge. The eight petals of the lotus are the eight powers of the yogi. Inside, the stamens and pistols are renunciation. If the yogi refuses the external powers, he will come to salvation. So the eight petals of the lotus are the eight powers, but the internal stamens and pistols are the extreme renunciation, the renunciation of all these. Inside of that lotus, think of the golden one, the almighty, the intangible, he whose name is Om, the inexpressible, surrounded with effulgent light. Meditate on that. Another meditation is given. Think of a space in your heart, and in the midst of that space, think that a flame is burning. Think of that flame as your own soul, and inside that flame is another space, effulgent, and that is the soul of your soul, God. Meditate upon that in the heart. Chastity non-injuring, pardoning everyone, even the greatest enemy, truth, faith in the Lord, these are all different vrittis. Be not afraid if you are not perfect in all of these. Work, and the others will come. He who has given up all attachment, all fear, and all anger, he whose soul has gone unto the Lord, he who has taken refuge in the Lord, whose heart has become purified, with whatsoever desire he comes to the Lord, he will grant that to him. Therefore, worship him through knowledge, or worship him through love, or worship him through renunciation. He is my beloved worshiper. He is my beloved Bhakta, who is not jealous of any being who is the friend of all, who is merciful to all, who has nothing of his own, whose egotism is lost, he who is always satisfied, he who works always in yoga, whose self has become controlled, whose will is firm, whose mind and whose intelligence are given up unto me, know that he is my beloved Bhakta from whom comes no disturbance, who never becomes the cause of disturbance to others. He who has given up excessive joy, grief, and fear, and anxiety, such a one is my beloved. He who does not depend on anything, pure, active, giving up all, who does not care whether good comes or evil, never becomes miserable. He who is the same in praise or in blame, with a silent, thoughtful mind, blessed with what little comes in his way, homeless. He who has no home, the whole world is his home, steady in his ideas. Such a one becomes a yogi. There was a great god-sage called Narada, just as there are sages among mankind, great yogis, so there are great yogis among the gods. Narada was a good yogi and very great 
He traveled everywhere, and one day he was passing through a forest, and he saw a man who had been meditating until the white ants had built a huge mound round his body. He had been sitting in that position so long. He said to Narada, Where are you going? Narada replied, I am going to heaven. Then ask God, When will he be merciful to me? When will I attain freedom? Further on, Narada saw another man. He was jumping about, singing, dancing, and said, Oh, Narada, where are you going? His voice and his gestures were wild. Narada said, I am going to heaven. Then ask when I will be free. So Narada went on. In the course of time, he came again by the same road. And there was the man who had been meditating till the anthills had grown round him. He said, Oh, Narada, did you ask the Lord about me? Oh, yes. What did he say? The Lord told me that you would attain freedom in four more births. Then the man began to weep and wail and said, I have meditated until an anthill has been raised around me, and I have four more births yet? Narada went to the other man. Did you ask my question? Oh, yes. Do you see this tamarind tree? I have to tell you that as many leaves as there are on that tree, so many times you will be born, and then you will attain freedom. Then the man began to dance for joy and said, I will have freedom after such a short time. A voice came, My child, you will have freedom this minute. That was the reward for his perseverance. He was ready to work through all those births. Nothing discouraged him. But the first man felt that even four more births must be too long. Only perseverance like that of the man who was willing to wait eons will bring about the highest result. And with that, we'll just take a quick break. Welcome back to The Mystic Show. That was an awesome last chapter, I thought. Uh, But real quick, if you want to help support The Mystic Show, there's a few ways you can do that. Um, You can share our episodes on your social media, like Facebook and Twitter. Um, You can also rate and review the show in iTunes or Stitcher, if you're an avid podcast listener, or even if you're not. And you can also contribute a dollar or two or three per episode to help us with the production of the show and everything. If you just go to the website, there's a little image on the right that says, please consider supporting the Mystic Show. You can find the link there. So 
The important thing is you're listening, hopefully with an open mind, and you're learning. So there's no need to support the show, but if you feel like it, go ahead. So this was the last chapter, and I really like um, a few of the points in here. I just have a couple comments, and then we'll we'll end this episode. Uh, and again, I'd like to hear your comments. So if you go to this post on themysticshow.net, you can leave your comments. Uh, again, this is episode 146. Um, yeah. So he keeps mentioning about becoming a yogi. And this is, I, I really like the distinction between becoming a yogi and just, for instance, going to church on Sunday. I mean, there's not obviously nothing wrong with going to church on Sunday. Um, but I grew up in a family where we went to church on Sunday and that's the only quasi religious thing we did. And there was no idea of, you know, trying to become something or, or trying to learn anything more. It was just a ritual, pure and simple. And, um, so contrast that approach with this whole idea of becoming a yogi, you know, and how many more births do I have before I attain the ultimate freedom? Um, it's just two very different approaches. And um, I assume if you're listening to this show, you're, you, you also feel like you're on a journey. I mean, maybe not specifically to become a yogi, um, but certainly to learn more and to practice more and experiment more than just, you know, ritualistically going to a temple every Sunday or a synagogue type thing, you know? So I really like focusing on that. Uh, You know, you are becoming a yogi, a mystic. And so am I, and we're all on the way. And we, and we can secretly sort of mold our lives to that. Right. Um, He also mentions the story at the end with the crazy man who had, you know, a zillion more births before freedom, he was happy. He was joyful. He said, oh, okay. He was dancing. You know, that says the same type of thing that other spiritual guides have said, that, you know, you have to enjoy this process. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy each meditation, right? As if it's your last, right? So enjoying it is is important. And so... If, if ever our practice is becoming too stale and, and ritualistic, then we have to figure out a way to, to bring some more joy into it. And the other thought I had was, I don't even know if he mentioned it in this chapter, but this idea of boldness, that for you and I to step into the spiritual realm and say, hey, I'm going to do this or I'm doing this, you know, I'm going to become a yogi or a mystic or a rishi, whatever, Uh, or I'm just, I'm going to become just like my spiritual guide, right? Or even surpass my spiritual guide, right? Doesn't every spiritual guide want their student to surpass them, right? And I know Jesus said that he wished for all his, he wished for every human being to achieve what he has achieved and more. He literally said that. So 
So there's really no limit. And, and one of the ways to, you know, sort of pierce through any limits you put on yourself is to be a little bold and say, yes, I'm going to do this. I can do this. You know, I might not be close to the finish line just yet, but, but I can certainly do this practice and I can certainly have faith in what the spiritual guides tell me. And then what happens is if you practice with that attitude persistently with perseverance, um, you start to see changes. And then there comes a time when you really, in your heart, believe that you can do it, that you are doing it. And that's an important sort of milestone in spirituality. And again, it's a realization that once you have that realization, you can't really go back from that. Now, can you? (laughs) So I'm happy you were able to join me. I hope some of this made some sense. (laughs) I hope it's a little bit helpful to you, maybe just to help kick around some ideas in your mind. Maybe you want to take some of these ideas and write about your experience in your diary or comment on the website. Or maybe you want to talk to some of your friends or colleagues about some of these ideas. You know, Ask somebody if they know who Vivekananda was. That's a start. So until next episode, have a good weekend. Have a great week. I hope you move forward on the path. And as always, keep shining. <laughs>